all, you can't really talk about the early second wave of the women's movement without talking about This is a WLRN extended interview. Emily Cott is a 29-year-old woman with a bachelor's degree in biology. She has been involved in sports throughout her life, with a current focus on long-distance running. Recently, she completed a marathon while carrying a flag that read, Save Women's Sports, Woman Equals Adult Human Female. Emily is committed to protecting the integrity of women's sports so that other women and girls can enjoy the same fulfillment and opportunities that sports have provided her. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your involvement with women's athletics, and how you got into feminism? Um, Sure. So, um, let's see. I'm a 29-year-old woman. I've lived in the United States all my life in the Midwest. Um, I've played sports pretty much all my life. Um, I come from a large family, five siblings and, um, or four siblings, five of us total. Um, and we've all, um, had sports be a big part of our lives. Um, I did tumbling and gymnastics when I was younger. Um, in high school, I, um, switched from gymnastics to track and field and I mostly did pole vault there. Um, and I did cross country one year of high school. In college, um, I um, did not play like um, actual sports. I um, I went to a school that didn't have track, and I probably wasn't uh, qualified to run at um, the D1 level anyway. So um, I kind of backed off the sports in college a little bit. I just did like Quidditch club, which was just like for fun more than anything. Uh, but at that point I did start getting into long distance running. Um, like I ran a half marathon for the first time. I think that was sometime in college. I did that. So from there, I've just been working on, um, my long distance running, I've done three full marathons at this point, a handful of half marathons, do like 5Ks and 10Ks sometimes. So, yeah, sports has been um, been there throughout my life pretty much, and um, it's shaped me in a lot of ways, giving me confidence, giving me um, exposure to, like, girls from different backgrounds and personalities and we all just kind of like rub off on each other. So it's, it's a good environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that sounds like an amazing experience. Uh, how, how did you first become involved um, with sort of what's happening? What's been happening recently in women's sports? How is that? How did that start affecting you? Um. I had always been against this idea of males competing in female sports, and I thought it was ridiculous and unfair, but I hit my peak, I guess it's called, when I first read about those two males out in Connecticut who are taking first and second in state competitions, and um and like the Connecticut Athletic Association 
head is like defending it and basically saying girls just shouldn't care about winning. And that's just when I hit my tipping point. Like it's unfair enough when you have even one biological male competing, but you have like two now. And I think it's fair to say that they are dominating. Um, so it's, it's just not fair to the biological girls and women in their sports. And so that was when I decided this has just gone too far. I need to personally get involved and do whatever I can to help fight this. So that was when I started actively like researching and trying to find people online to follow, to learn more about this, try to educate myself. So that was kind of my tipping point. And I'd spent about a year and a half doing that before I ran the marathon, just like learning about how far this whole thing has gone and um, what people are doing to fight against it. And um, I just felt it was my responsibility to do something. Like I've, I've been fortunate that I've not been personally affected yet by it at this point to my knowledge, but um, you know, I feel empathy with the girls and women who are being affected by it. And I'm not just going to not say something just because I personally haven't experienced it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about the experience that you had? Um, I, I think it was your most recent marathon back in November. Um, you decided to, to carry this sign with you the whole way. Can you tell yes. us kind of about that experience? Sure. Um, I guess from a technical perspective, it was a learning experience for me because I'd never done something like that before. Um, I had seen a few people carrying American flags um, during races, and that's where I got the idea. But I didn't know how to go about training to do something like that, and my internet research wasn't turning up much. So I was just like, okay, I guess I'll kind of wing it. I had, um, I just got this flag and I started training with it. Um, the first flagpole I had broke, um, like on my fifth training run and it was like two miles into an 18 mile run. So that was not not fun. Um, so I got a different flagpole and, um, apart from that was just like, you know, practicing with it, learning what was the easiest way to carry it and so forth. Um, I was a little bit nervous because um, with marathon training, you don't typically run the full distance in training. A marathon is 26.2 miles. Most training programs go up to 20 miles. So the idea is that you don't want to overtrain and injure yourself. So usually the longest training run you do is like 20 miles. And then the idea is that, you know, race day adrenaline will carry you through the last 6.2 on race day. So it was always kind of this question mark of like, I've the longest training run I've done with this flag is 20 miles. Will I be able to do the full 26.2? So... (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, I was a little nervous about that. Um, it was certainly difficult. Um, I found that the the weather really had a big impact on it. Like days where it was windy, I was really having to fight to keep moving forward with it. Uh, but I did get used to it through my training. So um, it wasn't nearly as bad like towards the end when I was more used to carrying it than um, 
than I was at the beginning. But if it had been windy on race day, that definitely would have been a lot harder. I, I got lucky it wasn't very windy. Right. So what were some of the reactions that you got, uh, you know, at, at the event or, you know, was there was there a negative reaction? Did you get support? Um, all the reactions at the event were positive. I did not have a single negative reaction. I had lots That's of great. people cheering me on, um, people telling me, you go girl, um, telling me I was doing a great job. I had one guy like run up to fist bump me. He said he like ran to catch up with me so he could give me a fist bump and tell me what a great job I was doing. Um, it was, um, it was very nice at the race. Um, the only caveat I would say to that is I don't know that people knew exactly what I was protesting. Um, so my flag said save women's sports and then it had the dictionary definition of woman, adult, human, female. And so I think to people who follow this issue, they know what that means. But to people who don't, they just think, oh, save women's sports. I support that. And they don't know what specifically I'm fighting for. Um, cause I, I did have a few people ask me, what, why are you carrying this? So I think to some outsiders, it wasn't clear what exactly I was protesting. But after I explained, everyone said they agreed with me. Um, and yeah, no negative reactions at the race. Everyone was supportive. Uh, Facebook was a different story. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's an experience that a lot of us have kind of had is that, you know, when we go into the real world, quote unquote, and we just talk to, you know, normal people who are not necessarily involved in the, you know, in the depths of this movement is that they they're much more receptive to it. But I think we can get kind of wrapped up in the Internet, social media end of it where everyone is kind of an extremist. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's good to sort of go out there and, and talk to people who are not as involved because it it kind of gives us hope that, you know, other people are sane and <laughs> not completely yeah. swept up or drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes, definitely. And like I said, I had to go out of my way um, when I, you know, hit my breaking point. I had to go out of my way to find people and resources to educate myself on these issues. I think um, there are a lot of people deliberately putting out misinformation on this issue and silencing people who speak out on this issue. So unless you, you know, kind of become aware of what's going on and then go out of your way to do more research, you might not realize um, exactly what's going on. So um, I think there's there's an element of that as well. Yes, definitely. I agree. It, it kind of took me years to, to do research and start digging into it before it, you know, it really started to fully make sense to me. You are listening to WLRN. What were some of the the reactions that you that you guys described on you know Facebook and social media? It wasn't as good. I mean, what happened there? Um, well, I did have a lot of support um, on Facebook too. It wasn't all bad. Um, I. I'm very grateful to the people who took the time to cheer me on and tell me um, how supportive they were and came from all over the world. So um, I don't want to like make out that there was no positive reinforcement on Facebook because there definitely was. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I did have a lot of negative reactions too. Um, a lot of name calling. Uh, people called me garbage a lot. Um, turf, of course. Um, I got called the C word. Um, 
the British version of the C word, I guess. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to actually <laughs> say the words. Um, there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of people accusing me of being a terrible athlete, like just try harder, you know, don't try to get people disqualified just because you can't compete against them. Um, so that, missing the point of my post, which emphasized it's not about me, it's about all girls and all women. Like it's not about my individual ability to compete against males. It's about this being unfair to all girls and women. But I was surprised by how many comments were just attacking my perceived lack of athletic ability. Um, it's also yeah, surprised, yeah. Um, like I was expecting name calling and threats. I was not expecting so many people to insult me for being white. That was um, that was the one thing I didn't expect. You know, having having done my research on this, I knew that there would be people who would be vicious towards me for my stance on this, but that was something I wasn't expecting because it seems totally irrelevant to me um, what race I am. This, this issue has nothing to do with that, but there were a lot of people basically making out like, oh, of course she's white and she's complaining about this. Uh, so that I, that I was not expecting. I was very surprised at that. Um, I think I was lucky on Facebook. Um, there weren't a lot of like direct threats of violence. I was expecting that, but I think because Facebook, um, most people have their real names tied to it. I think people were holding back from like the really nasty stuff you see on like Twitter and Tumblr, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I did have someone threaten to trip me if they ever ran a race with me. Um, some, some of the stuff was just like funny, honestly, like, I hope this person steps on a bunch of Legos. I hope her dog vomits in her bed. Like just <laughs> some of it, like I had to laugh. Um, yeah. It's a lot of so, very childish, uh, type insults, I think. Yes, it, it really was. Yeah. And, um, I, I think the, um, the, the race thing that I see coming up a lot, I, I feel like they, they kind of go to that as a default because they don't really have any valid argument. So they just think, well, if I, if I throw that out there, maybe it'll, it'll add some, some weight to what I'm saying, even though it's not really related to anything, as you mentioned. Yes. Um, so, I mean, how do you respond? I don't know if you've really, you know, tried to engage with any of your you know, critics or anything, but I mean, how would you respond when, you know, the people argue from the other side, oh, well, if, you know, a man takes some hormones and, you know, he's, he has the same pretty much athletic ability as, as all other women, which is obviously, as we know, is not true. I mean, how do you re respond to that? Um, I explained it a little bit in my post, but just basically saying the definition of the word woman is adult human female. And a woman is not just a man who no longer has a penis. It's not a man who has taken hormones. Um, I think researchers have documented something like 6,500 differences between men and women. And it's just absurd to think that you could make a few like changes like taking hormones and getting a surgery and think that it accounts for all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, the, you know, the, doc the differences between men and women in terms of athletic ability, they're well documented. And it's just absurd to suggest that you could make a few, like, take a few medical treatments and just all of that goes away, especially post-puberty. But even before puberty, there are differences like um, at the age of four already, um, 
girls and boys throw much differently. Like girl, uh, boys throw much faster and farther than girls can, even at the age of four, well before puberty. So it's just like men and women are fundamentally different physiologically and we, we can't change from one to the other. Um, so that's where I went with that. Um, I didn't argue so much directly with people on my post. Actually, a lot of other feminists were jumping in and kind of arguing with people. So I, I kind of just re didn't respond to the negative people who weren't there to really engage. You know, there are a lot of people who are not there in good faith. They just want to insult me. And, um, you know, they're not there to have productive conversations. So mm -hmm. for the most for the most part, I didn't bother engaging with those people. There were a few women who did. So um, it's like, I'm thankful for them and good for them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mostly tried to just avoid responding to people who weren't there to actually engage in constructive converse conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely understandable. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, why do you think that this is this has sort of exploded as a hot button issue right now. I mean, and it's happening on such a mass scale that so many people seem to be buying into this idea of just, you know, denying basic reality and that we all deep down, we all know that it's, you know, sex exists and all that. But I mean, why do you think this is, there's this huge backlash that's just sort of exploding right now? Um, I like to think, um, because I try to assume good intentions in people, I think that people have good intentions and they are being told this, I, I hate to use such a strong word as lie, but they are, they are being told that the trans rights movement is the next civil rights movement. Like, okay, we won the right for gay marriage, now trans rights is the next thing, and so they're being told this is the next thing you have to support if you want to be on the right side of history. And they're not critically examining the ways that the demands of the trans rights movement are very different from the, the demands of the movements that came before it. Like the civil rights movement, um, you know, in the 60s or the gay rights movement, you know, just before this one, the demands of those movements were very different from the trans rights movement. And I think people are not thinking critically about how they're different. They're just thinking, oh, this is the next social justice is issue, so I'm going to fight for it. And yeah, they're just not thinking critically. And like yeah, I said, yeah. there, there is deliberate misinformation out there as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of it is it's, you know, there's a lot of funding for this movement um, that coming from not so great sources, I think. And that's yes. that's kind of what's what's putting the resources out to perpetuate these ideas. Yes. Um, well, what what I mean, how do you think we can we can fight against this and just sort of be this opposing force to, to try to reach people? I mean, aside from what <laughs> what you've already been doing, which is, uh, you know pretty inspirational. But I mean, what other things do you think we can do to sort of to just fight back against this? Um, I think I think this needs to be kind of a grassroots thing to some extent, because so many um, people did sports as children or have children who are doing sports. And I think if we can just get the word out to more people 
and really like fight back against this, I think we might see some changes. Um, unfortunately, I think it does like some people aren't as directly impacted by it, so they don't get upset about it until they are directly impacted. So we need people to understand that this is a threat that could come up at any time um, for any girl in any sport anywhere. And you can't wait until like there's a male on your daughter's team before you fight for it. So um, I think we need to be proactive. Um, I would also like to see um, some organized like boycotts by athletes. Um, I realize that that's difficult. And um, I, I compete mostly in long distance running, which is more of an individual thing. But for example, I would like to see girls just refuse to compete if there's a male um, in the field, you know, just like all, you know, let them run ahead and like let all the girls just like stay behind on the start line and, you know, not run or just walk to the finish line together, like link hands and show solidarity with each other um, or just refuse to compete at all if there's a male on the on the court or on the field or on the track or whatever. I think that's what would get a lot of attention is if women and girls kind of show a united front, like we will not, will not compete if, if males are allowed to compete with us. So I, in an ideal world, that's what I'd like to see. I think it would not only force the media to pay attention to it, but I think it would enforce athletic associations to pay attention to it. Um, if you have girls refusing to compete, um, they have to they have to do something about it. Especially if they like organize like sit-ins or something on the track, you know, um, like it, you have to force people to pay attention to it. Um, so that's my opinion. I realize those kinds of things are hard to organize, and I hate to ask that of children you know they shouldn't have to do that and that's part of the reason I'm getting involved and I did what I did was just I feel so horrible for the high schoolers that are having to file lawsuits about this and you know face all the backlash that comes with it they're children and they shouldn't have to do that um, like where are all the adults while all this is happening um so they shouldn't have to but I think if they did that would um that would be hard to ignore. Yeah, and especially at the high school level, I mean, a lot of these girls are competing for scholarships, and, you know, this is determining where they'll go to college or sometimes even whether they'll be able to, to pay for college. Um, and it's, it's especially interesting considering that, you know, only in the last couple generations really have women been able, been allowed to attend college legally across, you know, across the country. So, it's it's just it's kind of shocking and and scary just to see those those rights that they just recently were won kind of starting to disintegrate and being being threatened by men. Definitely, um, it's very disheartening to see Title IX be used to argue against women when it was supposed to protect us in the first place. It's mm -hmm. just like you said, it makes me very sad to put it mildly. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there anything that you would maybe you would want to say as, as an encouragement to, you know, young girls and women in sports who maybe want to speak up um, and who agree with this, but maybe they're afraid to do so because of the backlash or because of the attacks that they would face? What advice would you give them? Um, I would say it's your personal choice. You have to do what is right for you and what will keep you safe. And you have to know yourself well enough to know whether 
you can handle the backlash that'll come. Like I knew backlash was coming to me and I, I decided ahead of time I would handle it. Um, and, but that said, I think it's our duty to, to speak up. Um, women have always faced backlash for standing up for their rights. And in some parts of the world, even now they are still being killed and sexually assaulted for standing up for their rights. So it's nothing new that, that women face backlash for standing up for themselves and our, the women who came before us, they risked a lot to get us the rights that we have now, um, the right to vote, the right to have a credit card, the right to not be forced to wear a dress at work. Um, you know, all of that took hard work. And in some cases, they faced threats and ridicule because of it. But they did it anyway. And now we have the rights that we have today. And I think we need to continue on in that like this is the fight of our generation and if we want the women and girls who come after us to have more rights than we have now it's our job to deal with this we have to take a stand this has been a wlrn extended interview with athlete and feminist emily cott Thank you for speaking with us, Emily, and for being an inspiration to female athletes everywhere. And thank you to our listeners. If you like what you hear and would like to support our efforts in producing feminist content, please consider donating at wlrnmedia.wordpress.com. Or if you are interested in joining the fight for women's liberation, please visit our website to learn more about volunteering.